I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> going to give the audience what I think they want. They want chasing and car crashing. They want the cops to bend the rules to get the job done. They want the boy to get the girl. They want the good guy to win. They want the bad guy to die. Hopefully in the biggest explosion the budget will allow. But most importantly, Senator, they want to walk into a theater and for 90 minutes forget the fucking mess that you have left of this nation. Go get your bubble gum. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Hello and welcome to the All Out of Bubblegum podcast. Today, we are talking about the absolute stone-cold classic that is 1985's Commando, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and directed by Mark Lester. With me, we have Brandon, Stein, and Martin. Hello. How you guys doing? Hello. Oh. Now, all at once, uh, <laughs> do we like Commando? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um... I'm pro commando as well. <laughs> so this one is, I, I think it's like universally recognized as like just one of the, well, I don't know if it's the best action movie, but it's most pure action movies from the decade of the eighties. Yeah. I mean, this is the, the quintessential Arnold Schwarzenegger movie peak physique, all, all the lines, all these one liners, just a one liner machine in this one. And just, it's just the one killing. that is, oh. I think, when people think Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, they're, even if they haven't seen this, they're thinking of this. They're thinking of him holding the big old M60 with one arm and just shooting. You know, just that shot, it's not even, you don't even see his face in the frame. It's just his body holding the machine gun. Yeah, yeah I think that's what people think of. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing while watching it. But mostly the people who view Arnold Schwarzenegger as just a meathead who fires guns in his movies. <laughs> like people who have that image of Arnold think of Commando. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think is this Arnold's most like vanity project, the closest? We've no. talked about Running Man before, which <laughs> yeah, is sort I, I of I think Running Man is the same too cuz it's then it's him and his producing partner sort of like taking over. Like but this see, one also is just like a real real showcase for him. Oh, absolutely, for sure. But there's, you know, that Mark Lester was able to keep a leash on him in a way that uh, he was not held really that accountable in The Running Man. They just let him do whatever he wanted in that. Whereas you see, like, a meeting in the middle in Commando where he wanted to cut the guy's arm off and, you know, smack him around with it and talk smack to him <laughs> with his own, while he's hitting him with his own arm and director's like well, how about you just throw it and you cut his arm off and throw it at him you know yeah <laughs> yeah talking about that uh, scene i think this is my first time watching the director's cut really yeah because my dvd the norwegian dvd was is cut oh. it's got uh three noticeable cuts which is the neck break at the on the the airplane in my my version that i was in he just hits him with the elbow and he dies he doesn't break his neck afterwards and um yeah like the final part of uh bill duke's death scene is uh trimmed down a bit and it's the the shed stuff where all the all the goriest parts are just cut out 
like he, he cuts you know he cuts the arm it just it cuts the close-up of without the arm it just shows the the cut and then the wide shot of the guy without the arm i think that it's uh even in the uncut version they're awkwardly edited in to the movie but you know whatever it kind of adds to that camp value for the film yeah the film kind of plays out almost like a stealth parody of the action genre Maybe not even almost. It is a self-parody of the action genre, the way it's handled. It's just like mocking these tropes, I think, in a way that's just like hilarious. And you kind of play this game watching it like what is intentionally funny, what is not intentionally funny. I think a lot of it is probably intentionally funny because you watch the behind the scenes stuff on the DVD. And um, the filmmakers and the people involved, they seem to acknowledge that this is you know, a pretty ridiculous film. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, I think Lester says something along the lines of nobody but Arnold could even play this guy because you just wouldn't believe it. Um, and it is just ridiculous. I mean, he's he is uh, he's saying things like, you know, I could smell them coming and, <laughs> you know, just like that, just shit like that. And uh, yeah. the movie is hilarious for it. You know, he's he's fighting 100 guys in the mall and just throwing them around picks up the phone booth with David Patrick Kelly in it. Just this, it is, it is ridiculous. And in a way that, uh, it's strange to watch comic book movies now, um, who are being noticeably tongue in cheek, but this film is doing the same thing, but somehow getting away with it. And like it plays with verisimilitude in a way that uh, I don't even know how to describe it honestly it's just kind of it's in your face silly but it just plays it straight yeah it has its cake and eats it too successfully yeah yeah it's like a parody of action but at the same time it works completely well as just a straight action picture it just it just works it has great action scenes and all that stuff as well as the humor it's it's near perfect i had a similar experience watching uh, the men from hong kong last month and Brian Trenchard Smith, um, what do you call it, confirms that it was intended to be viewed two ways, or possible possible to be viewed two ways, as both a parody and a serious film. And I, yeah, I agree. I definitely got similar vibes from this one. That's a good uh, comparison, uh, especially with in terms of the directors, because they're both kind of schlock directors. And yeah, like Mark Lester, this is his. 10th picture like yeah, he's not some uh, just some some guy they hired to like um, they could walk over like like with running man where they just got like a tv guy yeah like mark lester worked his way up through the corman factory i think he was part of the corman uh, crew i think that is correct uh maybe i'm wrong uh but he did at least uh, maybe he just did schlock on the side that wasn't wasn't related but yeah then he he got his breakout with class of uh, 1984, and then he did Firestarter before this. So he was on a he was on a I don't know. Hot streak is a bit of a strong word because Firestarter wasn't really that uh, popular when it came out. No, but one thing that you'll notice with his movies, uh, including Firestarter, uh, is they're very stunt heavy, and I, I mean he, he's kind of perfect for this job. Because he's a guy that loves classical films. You know, this is 
kind of his homage in a way to the searchers, but it's also uh, just a, a an action movie where he's got you know cars careening down hills and things exploding everywhere and lots and lots of guns. Yeah, I think the stunts are something that aren't talked about a lot because I recently watched this movie and. I noticed, like, there's a lot of great stunts in it that don't get talked about a lot. Like, when you think of 80s stunt movies, you kind of think of, like, Jackie Chan, which is understandable because he does a lot of great stunts, too. But there's, like, a scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger basically gets, like, hit by a car, like, Sully's car that drives away out of yeah. the mall and stuff like that. And it's, like, or the scene where he, like, um, Tarzan's across the mall. And it's, these are great stunts. And it's not really talked about a lot because other things overshadow it. But I think it deserves some recognition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the fact that Arnold did a lot of his own stunts and ended up getting hurt as a result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they just couldn't find a guy big enough to double Arnold, really. <laughs> well, there's a couple of obvious stunt doubles, but they're noticeably smaller than Arnold. Yeah. Yeah, no, but the the, well, he... the Tarzan stunt, as you called it, fantastic. It was really an oh shit moment for me watching this one. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, they did it for real. Uh, him getting hit by that car in the parking lot there that like every time I look at it it looks like an accident yeah I think he dislocated his shoulder doing that one wow I thought he his injury came when he jumps on the guys off the roof that's also possible there's a lot of a lot of uh, stuff that looks dangerous oh, the guy getting hit and by I the car I... wasn't Schwarzenegger though <clears throat> it was a double oh okay he, he cut his forehead in the movie and they just worked it in okay. so they just right in the beginning of the movie and then the rest of the movie had this cut on his forehead yeah they just keep for continuity uh, but that happened i think when he dove through the glass at the end before he shoots dan hidea with a shotgun ah. <laughs> he did that himself oh. yeah yeah he really did shoot dan hidea yeah. himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah dan hidea is just just that tough. He's like, no, I'll, I'll keep coming back. <laughs> Got to be in the first wives club. <laughs> well, I guess we should get on to the plot for those that aren't familiar uh, with it. Maybe some people haven't watched Commando. Actually, uh, does it have okay. a plot? Yeah, so <laughs> these uh, ex, uh, I guess they're the special forces guys uh, that used to work under John Matrix, who's Schwarzenegger's character. They are now working for the Valverde. Um, well, it just starts out with all these these random hits of guys we've oh, yeah. never seen before. Just, oh, here's a guy getting this right. Oh, no, he's getting shot. This Oh, this guy is getting murdered. And it <laughs> well, turns out... Like nonsense at first. They, the, the opening is just is, is nonsense at first. You're like, yeah. what in the world is happening? And i I not sure. I understand there was a, a flashback scene shot but i don't know where it would place in the movie but that where they showed all these characters together but it was shot with wings hauser playing bennett really before really? wings hauser was fired from the movie hmm. and then they never shot they didn't reshoot it so they cut it instead you're telling me that we could have had arnold versus wings hauser Yes, I am. It's uh, uh, I love Vernon Wells, but I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, I wonder what what he was. I mean, how over the top he was going that they fired him after one day. But apparently, yeah, that's Wells what happened. Not doing, going over the top. 
<laughs> yeah, I, that's the thing. How far over the top was Wing Souser if it was too much? And they were like, oh, this, this, we need, uh, we need, uh, like, the subtle thespian skills of Vernon Vel Wilson <laughs> here. <laughs> but, I, I, yeah, I don't know. They, that's what I heard, that Wing, Wing Souser was originally cast and one scene was shot and it was a flashback with all the guys together. Well, Which would make sense to put at the start so that you would know who the fuck these guys are when they're getting murdered. Well, I think... Uh, so I would have... If I if I had to choose where to place it, it would be right after he gets shot with the dart in the beginning of the movie. I would put a flashback right after that. Okay, So yeah. you know who we're dealing with, and then you wake up, and they're putting the child on the boat, and, you know, all that goes down. Yeah, I guess for me it's the part where they they treat um, Bennett. It's like it rev it's a reveal that oh oh it's a tw I thought you were dead and it's like I didn't even I think I saw this movie three times before I realized that Bennett's the guy on the boat at the start. I just <laughs> thought that was a, a different guy that got <laughs> killed and I was like oh okay that's the guy. Uh, it would be really helpful if I knew who this guy was prior to him being killed and then revealed to be alive again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's still very weird because you watch that opening sequence and they, you know, they kill the guy and you're, and, and you know, you see the, these guys that you've seen kill other people, but you're like, does this supposed to mean something to me? Cause you look at the plot is that they're, they're bumping each other off. Um, or they're bumping off the guys to like sort of flush out matrix. Right, they basically use, and it works. the The head of his uh, organization flies right to his house. Yeah, basically reveal where he lives. I guess because yeah. that they didn't know that. They I'm get guessing. there pretty damn fast, but yeah, that's the thing. Like how they were really prepared. Like five minutes after the guy leaves, they're like sieging the house. So I feel yeah, like not even it's not even five minutes. Yeah, it's a bit fast. But, but I don't know. Maybe they're really good. But the but the plot, the plot is that these guys want to use Matrix because he's so good to assassinate the president of Valverde, and so they kidnap his daughter to make him do that, and he just goes, "No, I'm not going to do that," and he kills everyone to get her back. Everyone, he just yes. kills yep. everyone. Basically, the whole thesis of the film is in that opening sequence where the guys like, "We have your daughter. That means you have to cooperate, right?" Wrong. That's the whole thesis. That's the thesis of the film right there. No, he didn't have to cooperate. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's got to be like, I, I don't know, if you watch a lot of kidnapping movies, and even if you watch Ransom from the 90s, um, which also has a, a really fun turn on on the whole uh, kidnap and ransom and do, do what we want thing. But uh, if you watch a lot of these movies, this has got to be the most cheerworthy moment when he shoots that guy. He goes, nope. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, I gotta watch a movie where, you know, his parents are just stressed and fighting each other because their kid's kidnapped and they gotta run to this place and that with a briefcase full of money. You know, that that old, those old tropes. And this movie's like, nope. Is this the first movie to use Valverde? I mean, it it's in, pops up in Predator and Die Hard 2 also, I believe. I is don't it Predator? Know if it's the first, it might be the first. But uh, I, I, it's probably my favorite of them. Yeah, for sure. What? So in Die Hard Two, 
In Die Hard 2, does Franco Nero play the guy that Arnold was supposed to assassinate in this movie? Uh, well, it seems like the place is just constantly getting these military dictators in charge. So I don't know. I think that that guy has been deposed for a while. I'm guessing he's in the same rank or level or maybe organization even that Dan Hedaya is in. Yeah, because mm. Dan Hedaya wants to overthrow a guy named Velasquez. I don't know if that's Franco Nero's character in Die Hard 2, but... No. Okay. Because it's a Steven D'Souza thing, right? Yeah. Valverde? Yeah. Because he wrote this and he wrote... Did he write Die Hard 2 or just Die Hard 1? All I thought he things. just made the first one, but maybe he made, he wrote uh, an original treatment for the second one, and they just kept that part. Yeah, he was probably involved, maybe uncredited, but he was involved in some way, probably. But it's fun. Uh, they, you know, they're wearing similar uniforms, so maybe. Velvet is just like a stand-in for Nicaragua or whatever country Reagan had recently had the president, the democratically elect president, removed from. <laughs> yep. Damn commies. <laughs> it's it's a weird plot point in a way because they don't delve into it. They don't delve, delve into the politics of it. Uh, in fact, he, he Matrix himself, he's, he just does not care. And that's one of the things that's great about it is like, even if he had done that, I think the sense is that they were going to, you know, stab him in the back. It's a very apolitical film, like an 80s action movie. Because like a lot of 80s action movies, like the Rambo films, they're very like political. But Commando, there's none of that. It's just Arnold Schwarzenegger killing people for 90 minutes. And that has helped the film age very well. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. a, uh, a big like response, in a way, to, the, I think, those kind of political movies. Because it does feel, on purpose, less political. And then you have, obviously, Arnold doing the Rambo 2 thing at the end of the movie, just, you know, carrying the one gun and all that. So, I mean, yeah. a response. But this and Rambo 2 came out at the same time. Yeah. But apparently, according to the new, uh, I think, Arnold documentary, they had seen a bit of Rambo 2 before it came out. Okay. And well, I know the script. The budget. script, the script was uh, floating around for a lot for for a while before. That's how we got uh, missing in action coming out a year before uh, Rambo Two, despite the fact that they just read the script for Rambo Two and then made it faster. Well, and they also clearly read the script for Uncommon Valor and just ripped that off. So you know, tit for tat. Yeah, but I think that's part of, like, that only Arnold could have made this. It's like, because if Stallone would have made this, it would have been overtly political and also played straight, I feel. Yes. Like, I think a, a good example would be, counterpoint would be, like, Cobra, which is, yeah. like, uh, Stallone's, but it's also, it's very, played very straight and played very clearly political. A lot of pictures of Reagan in the background all the time. I think because yeah. this and Cobra for me are like those are the the perfect eighties action movies. The two coin, two sides of the coin. Yeah, it's it's an interesting sides of the coin because this is very funny, um, intentionally so, and I think Cobra is very funny unintentionally. Yeah, I think if you just made um, 
remade the script for Cobra exactly, but with a little wink in the eye, you'd have a great action movie spoof. Yeah. Because it feels, when you watch it, and he's just doing things, you know, the famous cutting the pizza with the scissors, <laughs> you're like, what in the hell is, what is this? Yeah, and it he's got his... Like he, a, yeah. He's cleaning his gun. <laughs> well, do you remember the in, um, in the Schwarzenegger film, End of Days, where the opening with his character throwing everything into the blender and drinking it? Yeah, yeah. That's feels like parody of that sort of thing yeah that happens in stone cold too right he just yeah yeah everything in a blender and and looks like a bodybuilder you're like okay yeah that's that's what you eat i'm sure but uh yeah this is uh the other thing about it uh jill silver producing and i think that's the other connection there and you get that with Predator, and they, they have a similar feel to them uh, as far as, like, that 80s vibe. Lawrence and Gordon like a, as well. Yeah, yeah. From Saw. So it, it, it there's, like, a, <laughs> there's a consistent um, feel, I think, to them, as well as, you know, just all the weapons. And apparently Joel Silver met Mark Lester at a... Party at the mm. Playboy Mansion. So yeah, because you mentioned 80s. the budget earlier <laughs> and sort of like with the reading of the Rambo script. Thing. And I think this one did go way over budget. Like they had to dial the climax. Not the climax shootout part, but like the showdown between him and Bennett. Yeah. Well, quite com- a bit down. They completely changed it. Um, probably for the better. But they made that ridiculous fight in the basement which is also a ridiculous basement yeah <laughs> but yeah um but yeah that's uh they put all that in there because they blew it all on on the pyrotechnics in the rest of the scene before that with you know the most famous scene in the movie which is just arnold versus an army <laughs> one thing i think the film does exceptionally well is a textbook example of it is how it carefully escalates the action over the course of the runtime because Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't really kill more than like two people and up until like the finale in an, in an individual action scene. He kills like the two people at the docks, and he kills Cook in one scene, and then he kills Diaz in another scene. But it carefully escalates and teases you almost as every action scene gets a little more exciting, just a little more climactic, kind of building up this like excitement level. Then by the time you get to the end, you're like, I'm ready for a big action scene, and then like. Arnold Schwarzenegger just like whips out all these guns. It's like a first-person shooter, and he's just killing dozens upon dozens of people. He fights Bennett, and it's really a textbook example, in my opinion, of like how a film can kind of like escalate its excitement level. Because some action movies, they kind of like they kind of have like big action sequences throughout the entire runtime, and these set pieces could be, and just about any given one of them could be placed at the end of the movie, and be satisfying. And that's for better or for worse. But I think Commando, what it really does really well is it kind of teases you almost, like, providing, like, just enough excitement to keep you on the edge of your seat, but not fully satisfied in a good way until you get to that big final ecstatic action scene. Well, it's uh, it's definitely wild. Um, I, I don't even know if it... I don't know if there's a way to properly ramp up to that, but I guess it does a good job making you think it's going to be a steady diet of kill a guy here, kill a guy there. But it 
that that uh, lock and load scene where he's just stacking all the guns onto his body, and <laughs> I don't know, you do not. I don't think there's a proper way to prepare you for what happens right after, because he literally uses every weapon. He he just walks through, just strapped to the kills with every single weapon imaginable, and uses them. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies with a kind of parody that lock and load thing, or they they set up that they're gonna go use a bunch of guns and then they just don't. This is probably the first movie I ever saw that that just went for it. They did it, and it is yeah. impressive to watch. I also it's, wrote down this bit like it's it, like I forgot too, how much of like, this is these guys a, can't very hate. much like a slow build up to just like the most insane climax you've ever seen almost. It's the coolest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah, the other thing there is that it it takes it out of war movies. It's not a, you know Rambo two, for it's you know whatever else it is. It's still packaged as a war movie in a way. This is like nope. This is some guy. He brings the war to the movie screens. And it, I mean, it it actually just looks like that. It looks exactly like you think. This one dude who is jacked beyond fucking jacked, carrying every weapon imaginable, manages to fight off an entire army by himself. I don't think I... I mean, you brought up a man from Hong Kong earlier. Yeah. I don't think I'd seen anything quite like this since the Jimmy Wang Yu days, where he would just take on tons of guys by himself. Yeah. And um, I think I really like the fight with Bennett at the end. It's just because Bennett is like just such a campy character and he's matrix is like just trying to like make him come out and play, you know, a little like teasing him. And Ben has just got this raging hard on in his leather pants. And it's just like (laughs) having a climax in his pants. And it's just, it's so great. And, um, it's not as good as the big shootout with the big army at the end, but it still works well as the end to the movie because it's hilarious and it's pretty well choreographed. I'd say it's not, the most excitingly choreographed action scene of all time, but it works really well. And um, Ben is hilarious, um, just his one-liners. And it's just crazy, because Matrix manages to, like, entrap him by saying, let's do it right here, right now, in this factory located underneath some guy's house. And then it falls for it. He's just, he goes all for it. He's like, I don't need the girl. And he takes he out his knife. freaking Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yes. And this was like Vernon Wells's third movie only like he had only really done mad max 2 and then he was in is it weird science where he has a part yeah yeah and that's then he ended up doing this and uh he's great i love his outfit it looks like he's going to the to the gay nightclub he (laughs) is what my he's dressed like what my gay friend would call a letter daddy yeah sure no no but he has a really manly mustache so he can be going yeah yeah super manly mustache (laughs) and it's not actual chain mail i believe that like after decades of like careful research they have determined that it's actually like a macrame like um knitted material fabric thing like nasa scientists have been working on this for decades to determine what it was (laughs) and they determined it's just it's just just fabric it's not actual chain mail no but you hear the sound of something like chain mail the first time you see him in it Mm -hmm. i think yeah yeah, it could be like it's meant to be a chainmail, but just it was too heavy to wear chainmail all the time, so they made it out of 
whatever well, silver it's, just, it's tread. ill-fitting is, is the thing about it it looks wrong <laughs> well i read something about that where all the costumes were made for a wing saucer again who was uh a taller man than vernon wells i say was like they're both still with us i'm <laughs> not gonna i'm not gonna go ahead and pr- pronounce another actor dead on this podcast and <laughs> then turns out to be alive and um, i just don't know oh go on i was just gonna say like um Vernon Wells was, of course, famous for playing um, Wes in Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. And he actually gets called Wes this. Maybe that's his, like, um, alias. Because when he's jumping on the boat, where he almost falls off the boat and falls into the river or whatever, somebody actually calls out, like, hey, Wes, to, like, the Bennett character. So maybe that's his alias. He decided... Or or there's connected universe, like Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, somehow part of the Commando universe or something like that, but... Arnie continued his rampage, and the apocalypse happened. Yeah, uh, Mad Max Two was another movie where the the costume department, uh, costume design, very much is gay nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is flaming, and I love it. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a part of the LGBTQ plus community, but at the but like for '80s like action stars who were probably very homophobic at the time to be strutting around in like leather pants and like handlebar mustaches and pink t-shirts and stuff like that it's pretty funny i think well yeah that's one of those things that the straighter you try and be the gayer you look (laughs) so yeah that's 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 just science (laughs) the more manly you try to be in your movies the gayer it is yep arnold is his little banana hammock (laughs) (laughs) yeah see that baby oil on kind of shine in the sun Mm-hmm. I was generally wondering, like, why does he strip down to a speedo when he's just roving a boat? <laughs> and then he pleasure. gets to the beach, and then he puts on his gear. <laughs> like, he was in the plane, he stripped, put on speedo, rode the yeah, boat for like a couple of minutes, and then put on his gear. Yeah, I, if yeah. he was swimming, I get it. Yeah. But he's he's in the boat. Like, he's, he's wearing a pair of pants that you're just going to put on later gonna make that much of a difference <laughs> he's, he's saving time yeah that because that, that's what made me do like the make the vanity notice like he's just basically doing is like oh this is my mr olympia showcase moment what's yeah. funny about that is they have that line of dialogue where bennett says you know you're getting old i'm like you are the last <laughs> person to talk to this guy who's <laughs> just you do not walk into a room with a guy that looks like that and tell him, oh, you're out of shape, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bennett is a bit of a terrible villain in that regard. And like he's he's not ripped enough to look like a, a match for Arnold. He, he looks like uh, he he looks like Freddie Mercury's gayer cousin. <laughs> it's just, just, just well, such it's a weird so, character. Yeah, and this is, you know, and you look at the guy and you're like, this is obviously a big dude who you would not toil with in real life, but you're putting him in a scene next to Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is so jacked in this movie. And then he, there's that bit where he's, they're just talking at the end and, and Arnold is giving him nothing. He's just standing there with his knife holding. Yeah. <laughs> he's not reacting at all. You're like, okay. Like that's the yeah, scariest I mean- Arnold has ever looked. <laughs> Is there really any... Well, I guess Predator is the one where they give Arnold like a, a foe that's actually physically imposing to him. Yeah. Yeah. 
hard. It's hard to 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 get someone who is physically imposing next to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, well, they, they would always do that back in the. You know, Stallone had that too. You're, you're watching Cliffhanger, and you're going, "He's going to fight John Lithgow." <laughs> <laughs> that is. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the best one I think. Where it's just like the the mismatch between hero and bad guy is so so big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but Vernon Wells has David Patrick Kelly to back him up. Oh, so. that's right. Patrick Kelly is great. Together, they're almost as big as Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> I love the all the I characters know. in this. I want to learn more about them. I'm usually kind of opposed to the idea of like hangout movies where everything is very casually paced, but I'd watch like a hangout movie of like commando characters just talking because they're also colorful. It's just how did the, the cast is great and um, all of them are just like like I want to learn more about that guy right there. I want to learn more about Diaz or Cook or Henriquez. I want to learn more about all of them, and it's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is where is the where is the Robert Altman uh, Commando yeah. prequel that I want to see? Just everyone. <laughs> they, they do that same thing that, again that they do in Predator, where it feels like you know the there are no small parts kind of thing, where you're like every character stands out to you so much. Mm-hmm. And going, oh, that is interesting, and then they get these very interesting character actors. You know, David Patrick Kelly from The Warriors, and he plays such a little skis in this probably the most realistic um like incel interaction that i've ever seen between a man and a woman <laughs> um on screen where he he's chasing radon chong in the parking lot yeah and finally she really shuts him down and he's like fucking whore yeah it's like that's yeah. like sense but yeah <laughs> exactly but you're like yeah that's about that sounds about right yeah, that's like the one scene in Commando where if you, you wrote it today, you would just not change that scene at all. Yeah, you'd be like, yep, it would just be online. He's just typing it out. <laughs> <laughs> but then later she follows him into the bar yeah. and he's like, oh yeah, she wants me. Yeah, he's like, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's hunting yeah. slash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's just playing hard to get. Well, yeah, because he meets, uh, he escapes the plane, I guess, going back to the plot. I don't know if you guys remember that from 20 minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> but... Arnold's on a plane and he he jumps off the plane, which is that looks so funny when he jumps off the plane. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that guy. He he falls. He, he fell funny. Well, it's every the reaction shots. Um, whenever they edit between the stunt guys doing stuff and Arnold, they're so funny because they're so abrupt. Like when he drops into the marsh, you're like okay, and then when he crashes the car later on. And he grabs right on Chong immediately. You okay? <laughs> like that, just that cut to like slam into a telephone pole. You okay? Okay. <laughs> like there's so much of that kind of stuff in this movie. Even the, the you know, the swinging, uh, the Tarzan thing, you know, it cuts like three or four times to hide, you know, his stunt double swinging. Now Arnold's on top of the thing. But uh, they, they, it's not taking three levels of cutting, but yeah. it's there. And it's just funny to me. Yeah. yeah, it's always weird to me that that she's Tommy Chong's daughter, though. Yeah, Radon oh, Chong. Shit, I, I didn't know that. that. I, oh uh, yeah, I always think of her as uh, the gal from Quest of Fire, so Request for Fire. And Quest for Fire is much more Cheech and Chong esque. 
Yeah, um, although when I saw it when I was a kid, <laughs> I took it at face value. I went, oh, it's a serious drama about getting fired. <laughs> so, but uh, that's, who, that's how I always think of her. Uh, and I would be remiss to bring up uh, something I was talking to Ty, and he told me an interesting factoid, which is that Radal Chong is the one who, quote-unquote, discovered Chris Pratt is responsible for his career. And mm. so it's funny she's in this. And Chris Pratt now is married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Mm. Mm. So she unknowingly mm. put him on the road to marrying her co-stars. Get revenge for something he did to no. her on the set of Commando, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time is a flat circle. Do you consider her a romantic uh, co-lead? No. N- not really. I don't. But I know they they were considering doing it that there there was a love scene that was uh, removed yeah and i i don't feel it i feel that's a good thing that they removed that they got that because it f- just feels weird they don't they don't have zero chemistry and it doesn't feel uh like there should be any any romance no. between them yeah i don't think i ever saw arnold have a realistic uh, chemistry with somebody until true lies he is just, some, he's one of those actors. He's like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Where you're like, I don't know if I can picture him like being just having these moments. I just, I don't know if I can. I don't know. Arnold and Carl Wetters. I can imagine. <laughs> you, you, you didn't think that... Arnold and Bennett. You don't think that Arnold had great chemistry with his rocket launcher in this one? <laughs> <laughs> he just throws it to the side when he's done with it. I don't <laughs> Just like his uh, maids. <laughs> yeah. No, he he kept he kept those. But yeah, this is a uh, one thing that's that's funny is that it, it's violent in the terms of a body count. But I never considered this a violent movie until the uncut version came out. I was like, oh, okay, this is actually a little bit more violent than I thought it was. Yeah. Um. With this, with the exception of the tool shed scene, it's really not that violent. I mean, it has some blood squibs, but they don't really squirt blood all over the place or anything like that. They just kind of like ooze out of the costume and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the tool shed scene is definitely the highlight in terms of violence in the movie. Yeah, if this was a Rennie Harlan joint, there would have been, you know, he would have shoved that mm-hmm. thing through the guy's skull. Yeah. So it's probably less violent than say like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's less less gore. I mean, I would just call it less violent because, well, like, he yeah. he kills like two hundred people, but uh, <laughs> the 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 gore level is uh, a bit dialed back. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Uh, it's very glib with its violence. Just you know, all those one liners, uh, him holding Sully over the cliff. You're like, okay, this is like. Like they want you to enjoy it. There was a thing in the '80s where you could kind of get away with that. That's what all the Friday the Thirteenth movies were. You're just waiting for him to kill these annoying teenagers, <laughs> and this is like, oh, they're jerks. Kill, let them kill them in horrible ways, and they're gonna hate every moment of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the shed scene very much is the Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Jason Voorhees moment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely feels like it. Like I just think of the shot of the guy with the uh, saw blade sticking out his neck. You know, it's just this funny f- effect shot where the guy's just twitching, like <laughs> <laughs> the axe to the crotch. 
Yeah. You, you see oh, him yeah, like, go they, cross-eyed like in the director's cut. You yeah. Know, like, oh, that's too much. We need to cut that. that that'll that give us an X rating, you know, if you like see a guy cross-eyed <laughs> after taking an axe with the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but, I think it's maybe more like evident that they weren't quite positive how this was going to play to an audience. <laughs> like, is this too ridiculous? Cause there's just some Looney Tunes stuff like that. Yeah. Even, you know, that's what I go back to Bennett where at the end he, he's just full on psycho. He's so calm and confident in the day leading up to this that you're like, what? <laughs> Even when Arnold shows up and things are blowing up, he's just like, yeah, look who's back. Welcome back, John. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get down to the giant basement and suddenly he's just gonzo. Yeah, sex scene ensues. Yeah, it's really crazy. <laughs> he puts his pipe in him. And <laughs> white stuff comes out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Off some steam, Bennett. That's one of the best one-liners in action movie history, in my opinion. My favorite thing about that is that they, and you can watch it on the, I think the DVD. You can see all the outtakes. They they basically workshopped like four or five different major main lines for him to say. Can't handle the pressure, Bennett. And then they, yeah, yeah. And so I like the idea that you could just play those instead of. Um, picking one, just play all of them. He's just talking shit to <laughs> yeah. the dead body. For like a solid. That's the fan edit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Jenny's just like, can we please go? <laughs> yeah. Arnold just standing over the corpse workshopping even more. <laughs> dad, 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 can we get out of the creepy murder basement now, please? Yeah. Where all the Namer and Elm Street movies took place. <laughs> And um, of course, it ends with this great classic AOR slash melodic rock song, um, We Fight for Love by the Power Station. I believe without Robert Palmer. It is just so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, we fight for love. And they're just like singing this song about like, somehow, duh, duh, somewhere. And it just ends the movie on a perfect note <laughs> that just really perks you up. A song that my, my Shazam oh, couldn't recognize, by the way. Yeah, it's not on Spotify. Really? Yeah, I just looked right before. For yeah, I, I don't remember this song. I noticed it this time, oh. and uh, I don't know. I'm gonna go back and have to listen to it now. I also noticed this time is that there is a is a title drop. I didn't realize that that they actually say the title on screen when Radar Chong is uh, calling like for Major Kirby. She keeps saying Commando. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, actually, I forgot about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Only speaking of, only took, took like fifteen scene. viewings. But uh, yeah, you're blinking, you'll miss it. Bill Paxton cameo. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Though this is the after though. This is when they're on the island. Yeah. So when Naro's killing everyone. But yeah, when they're when they're taking off originally, Bill Paxton. I had. We lost him, sir. I had completely <laughs> forgotten he was in this was one. Like, holy shit! Is that Bill Paxton? I'm always pleasantly surprised yeah. there too. They, I think the uh, they took this one of the deleted scenes was they have a scene where Kirby is trying to give the rundown on Matrix and it's kind of this Colonel Troutman thing. Like they're the police are there, the mall looking at the aftermath, and he's trying to say, or he's saying something like, you know, this man is a hurricane. You can't stop him. <laughs> Whoever he gets in just cuts away, and you're like, oh man, you needed a 
a Stallone rewrite on that, <laughs> so that so a that Steven it like remake. Yeah, I needed uh, on deadly ground speech. <laughs> yeah. Have Arlie Army come in. <laughs> you you That's... dropped this guy in the Arctic with a toothbrush and a bikini. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's that version um, perfected. <laughs> that's yeah. that speech perfected. That's the problem. Arnold needed to write that speech himself. <laughs> yes, because you need the vanity, and I don't think, I don't. I would love to see what an Arnold Schwarzenegger written movie is was like. Because, well, when you see the stuff like his commentary <laughs> tracks and stuff, like he really does does just just come across like a child at times. <laughs> oh, he's just repeats what's on the screen basically from what i've heard yeah they, yeah they've actually it's all that time oh look at this i'm running <laughs> it's so great ah oh, and now i will shoot this guy he, and he, he just just says everything on one of the late shows for for this movie really for yeah, Commando, I think yeah the, he recorded an opening commentary track where he's going here's me carrying a log <laughs> Bennett's log yeah I think it's to- total total recall is yeah. the total recall is the classic one where he's just saying all the stuff yeah. that they're that, doing that's happening he's just just re- reacting to his own performance giving absolutely no insight <laughs> about what shooting this yeah, movie Paul was like trying to get it's an amazing commentary <laughs> what's just wa- uh, listening to the dueling you know, Dutch and Austrian accents on the yeah. commentary <laughs> track makes it worth it. Yeah, but I, the Arnold has zero writing credits, I believe. So I, I would love to see what he he would do with a move, with a with a script. Yeah, but he definitely uh, had inputs too. Yeah, I wonder who like this is the first movie to do the "I'll be back" thing as a callback. Yeah, yeah they just mm-hmm. throw that in there. Yeah, and I wonder who thought of that. I'm going to guess Arnold. <laughs> so maybe he, he sort of uncredited does rights. <laughs> I'll be back, Bennett. Yeah, he wrote four words for the script. Yeah, could be. But I really like that because it adds to like, the freewheeling nature of the whole movie that it's just like, throw it in, have him say, I'll be back, Bennett, and just go with it. You know, It just adds to the whole, just yeah. like, what are we even doing in nature of the film? Yeah, like who, who, who in Arnold's team was the guy who like picked that? Okay, this is gonna be our catchphrase. <laughs> Work this into your movies now. But it's fantastic. Well, I remember uh, he did an interview where he talked about that's when he knew was, uh, like Terminator was really big. It's people on the street stopping him, and saying, "Say the line, say the line." He's going one line. <laughs> Fuck you, I'll say I'll be back, and he goes, "I'll be back," and they're like, "No, say it like the movie." <laughs> and then he was like, "Oh." You know, so he's—he, I think he probably came to work the next day, and he went, "We have to, we have to put this in the movie somewhere." Oh yeah, and it's funny because I believe on the set of the Terminator, he wanted to rewrite that line yes. to be, "I will be coming back" or something like. He was like, "No, the computer would be more polite and use all of the words. He would not truncate." Yeah. Specifically, like, I, I, I want to believe Arnold said the yeah. word truncate. <laughs> 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 so uh funny things that i noticed in this movie and uh, keep me up at night uh the the couple in the next door to bill duke uh, yeah i have this bed. note too yeah the woman is sitting behind the man and you're like what is happening here <laughs> they have a They're camera both naked has a camera set up 
You're like, what is this? I hadn't noticed. There was there's your romance subplot. Yeah, the couple shooting amateur porn at the hotel. <laughs> uh, and probably a Joel Silver note. We need some tits in there. <laughs> it, it definitely felt like Get oh, they big, needed this big fake yeah. tits. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bennett's man boobs was not <laughs> satisfying the audience. We we were deprived of that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like Bennett wears two shirts, and Arnold is like basically wearing a speedo. <laughs> it's like it feels feels unfair. It really is like a film about like a couple fighting over the custody of their child. You know, Matrix and <laughs> Bennett. Like, no, she's my child. Consider this a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> like, throws a pipe through him. Oh, that's that's good actually. It is. It is. Uh, like I, I don't know what the timeline is on. On when he was in the military, because he—they'd he, have a scene they they cut out of the movie where he's explaining to Radon Chong that he was always gone, and then the mom died, and so now he's always home. He's like he says now there's only Chenny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the the flashback scene was set during okay. the Vietnam okay. War. I understand the one with uh, Wings House was shot. That was. Uh, then cut after he was fired. Sounds like fired. Was probably written by Wingshauser. One of his fascinations. The Vietnam War. Yeah. No, but originally the script was about uh, like an Israeli soldier. Oh, I think I remember reading that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got all of it and they told Steve D'Souza, make this an Arnold vehicle. So obviously they changed a load of stuff. Yeah, Arnold, I I noticed that Arnold is from uh, East, East Germany in yeah. this yeah. one. Yeah. The DDR. Yeah, he Yeah, he says that in the beginning. He talks about rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. It's a one-off line. The communists. Yeah. Talks about good George. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I read the script for um, Commando 2, a Frank Darabont rewrite. And when was this? It, like the uh, script. Oh, it would have been in the in the late eighties, okay. I think. And it's it's more of that kind of humor, that uh, roll your eyes at out of touch dad kind of stuff. She's older. She works in the mall, and there's <laughs> a kid trying to hit on her, and he grabs the kid, holds him upside down, and shakes him, and drugs fall out of his pocket. You know the it's kind of like, oh, Daddy knows best kind of thing going on, too. Ah, oh, this Kurt Cobain, he needs to get a haircut. <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, they'd supercharge that um, when they did Lean Meeson's Taken, which is more or less a crazy, um, almost DTV version of Commando. Anyways, uh, they're doing the, kind of the same thing. Oh, there's loads of action movies sort of doing the same thing. It's not that complicated. <laughs> no. That's that's what's great about uh, Commando. It's just simplicity. Yeah. It is the 80s action movie distilled down to its most basic essence. Yeah. yeah. It's action movie, the movie. Yeah. It's just, yeah. All the tropes are present and it just Arnold Schwarzenegger killing people. And one-liners. So, yeah, is this the like? Is this everyone's favorite big, uh, big guns uh, held by a muscular man movie? 
it's mine. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to argue. I mean, there is there is a uh, like Rambo, uh, Rambo three. I think would be my favorite Stallone, and um, obviously Red Scorpion is a great, very muscly man holding large guns movie. Yeah. Rambo two. Yeah. For me. I am pinned between this and Red Scorpion, because I think Red Scorpion is, I think it's pretty solid, and this movie is just really, really fun. This is one of my favorite movies of all time, so... I mean, it's hard for to those not in the know, uh, Brenton is the world's number one Red Scorpion defender. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, this is probably my favorite of the big muscly action hero with an M60 shooting down people movies. There's other action films that that I like more, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever. But when it comes to just pure straight shirtless guy running around, this is probably the best as it gets, in my opinion. Yeah, and the most that it gets. Yeah, yeah. it really is them. I I love the you know just things like the detail of when he's. He's strafing, he's walking sideways, shooting that gun, and the tops of the bushes and the flowers are coming off yeah. as he shoots. Just like things like that where I'm like, you know, I'm glad you guys noticed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would not be in like today's action movies where they use like CG muscle CGI flashes. muzzle flashes muzzle flashes and bullet hits and stuff like that. Well they still use very obvious and noticeable springboards. Yeah. yeah. Grenades in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great part. Was it like Hot Shots Part 2 where they parody that by having uh, the judges yeah. hold up the scores for the the flips? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing, you know, triple helixes. And because the flips they do in Commando yeah. are pretty ridiculous. Apparently, when they were filming, the guys, speaking of the muzzle flashes, and this is probably one of the reasons that so many productions don't even bother with the real guns now, a lot of those extras, they were just walking around each other. They all had blanks. And so they were just shooting each other in the butt, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> walk up behind you and boom. Does that sound safe? <laughs> yeah, it's pissing off the, you know, production assistants and stuff. Uh, Mark Mark Lester's a guy who, if you looked at his filmography, you wouldn't really think he has like two Stone Cold classics, given the like stuff he's he's been forced to do, basically just sort of fizzling out he hasn't made a movie in like 10 years now but just like really low rent dtv fizzle out of his career but he made commando and showdown in little tokyo like the respect should be put on his name i i saw class yeah. of 1999 last year for the first time and that's an absolute classic as well class of 1984 people really like as well uh, i actually am one of them mm, i so. wasn't a fan of that one but sequel is a banger i uh, I also would recommend checking out Steel Arena, which is his first film. All right. Uh, well, I I I liked um, Extreme Justice and Night of the Running Man is some of his sort of like his '90s ones that I thought was kind of enjoyable. Extreme Justice is uh, about corrupt cops. What's it? It's Lou Diamond Phillips joins his gang of corrupt cops, and Night of the Hunter is about. Uh, Scott Glenn as an assassin chasing down the what is it one of the guys from uh, Andrew McCarthy? Yeah, he's from from uh, Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah. Weekend at Bernie's. I think so, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, that was what I was the, the one I was struggling to. Yeah, so the, the Proto collateral. 
yeah, well, Andrew McCarty's a bit, bit, bit wrong for it. But Scott Glenn's great as the assassin. John Glover too. Scott Glenn and John Glover uh, playing like uh, sort of dual rival hitmans. I think could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Mark Luster. I guess he just never got another one of those. Um, you know these these kinds of movies where somebody was you know a studio backing him and things. No, was his showdown in Little Tokyo was is excellent. was it a was it a bomb? But the uh, box office bomb showdown showdown in Little Tokyo yeah. probably because that seems to be like the turning point where it's just because it's, it's Commando and then Armed and Dangerous, which I'm guessing is also was a bomb because then he he's he's put in timeout until he does class in 1999. Is Armed and Dangerous, is that the one with um, John Candy? Yeah, that's that's yes. uh, John Candy, Eugene Levy comedy. And, uh, you know, audiences are fickle. They're strange. You, you never know. And I think a, a lot of people now go back and watch Showdown in Little Tokyo. And, you know, they people kind of generally agree that it's one of those, it's like a classic 80s film that came out in 1991. Oh, it's great. But, it you know, it's 70 some minutes long it's very short and just like terrific yeah, chemistry between those two guys yeah dolphin uh, brandon lee and a really great villain turn from karaoke together but um <laughs> brenton and rod did you guys uh happen to catch the name of the production sound mixer on commando no, no. definitely not <laughs> it was don johnson no not the no, Don, not Johnson. Don Johnson. <laughs> okay. I was like, Actually, oh. I think I did see that when I was yeah. watching the credits. I, but I was like, ah, oh, that can't be Don Johnson, the nah. real one. But <laughs> no. I mean, not, I mean, not that he's fake, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you're about to blow my mind. I was like, oh, oh fuck, okay. they're gonna talk about Miami Vice again. No. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Not not a good enough Miami Vice connection on this no. one. <laughs> good. The Dan Hedaya thing, I think, is it. Yeah, then a day I did two episodes of Miami Vice, but it's oh David Patrick Kelly did an episode of Miami Vice, but <laughs> I'm just gonna go right down the rabbit hole. But uh, um, I guess I'll just say very, very high recommend on Commando. Yeah, it's yes. a total ripper. It's great. Yeah, I mean if you haven't seen Commando, run and watch it, and also. I imagine this episode has been almost indecipherable to you if you have not watched Commando. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there's basically no plot. It's just set up. And then lots and lots of uh, killing. Yeah. So if you like that in your action movies, <laughs> this is the one. If, if you only watch one 80s action movie, watch Commando. Yeah, I would say that. This is not my um, this was not my entry point for eighties action, but it is definitely where I've ended up. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up. Talking about Commando, um, it's been great talking to you guys. Thank you for listening. Visit our website allouthebubblegum.com. Join the Discord, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, and well, join the Patreon, where we're gonna have a short episode talking about. Movies that aren't Commando, but are very heavily, um, you know, inspired or whatever homages to Commando, Commando coded, if you want. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. 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 Later. Bye.
some steam Bennett. I hate small talk. I think it was too much pressure for you, Bennett. Can't take the pressure, Bennett, huh? What if he said it's a good day for, and you said for being gay? You are a genius. He likes gay jokes. <laughs>